0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Monday, September 4th, 2023. Um, Because school is out, today we will uh, actually have a couple readings focused on labor. Today is that uh, secular holiday called Labor Day, which um, I think it's funny for all of our conversations about not, um, you know, not wanting to be communist, that we would celebrate a communist holiday, but so it goes. Uh, we'll actually have some some words to say about that. I suppose most of us don't complain because we just like having uh, the day off, but uh, we don't take a day off from God's word, and so we're here for prayer today. Let's see. And so tomorrow we'll start up with the uh, full schedule, week one for the school, uh, which was a wise move since last week. Uh, most of the children were only present one day because of the Sheboygan County Fair. Uh, <laughs> begs the question then, why did we start? But uh, that's not for me. Regardless, uh, let's see. Yesterday's Bible study, sermon, and uh, complete divine service are posted on the YouTube, so you can go find it there. Uh, if I remember, I'll share links on the social media platforms as well, so you can check them out. All right, let's begin. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Let's pray our psalm for the week. Psalm 32. This was our psalm yesterday as well. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Um, given that it's a holiday... And so we don't forget to do it. Let's actually have a meditation on the psalm today. So again, I'll share um, this is a meditation from an excellent book called Christ in the Psalms by Patrick Henry Reardon. That's what I like to use as a resource. You've probably heard some of these meditations before, but I always find them insightful. Right. This psalm is the second of the traditional penitential psalms, which expresses the themes of sin, repentance, mercy, and forgiveness. The correct interpretation of certain psalms comes more readily than others. And the task is rendered easier if, or still, if a psalm's meaning has already been made plain in the New Testament. The New Testament is, after all, the key to the full, that is to say, Christian understanding of the Old. When the New Testament tells us the meaning of some passage in the Old Testament, then the matter of authentic interpretation for us Christians is settled. Such is the case with the psalm, which begins, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, Sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. St. Paul explicitly quotes these lines near the beginning of Romans 4 to illustrate, quote, the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. The Apostle's thesis here, as in Romans generally, is that we believers are not justified before God by our own merits, but by the effort or by the effort of our works, by a correct and meticulous observation of the Mosaic Law. But by receiving, in faith, God's gracious justification of us for the sake of Christ our Redeemer. The psalm, then, is the prayer of those who, standing at the foot of the cross and forswearing all righteousness of their own, commit their lives and entrust their destinies entirely to God's forgiving mercy, richly and abundantly poured out in the saving, sacrificial blood of his Son, because, quote, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. Such is the key to the proper understanding of the psalm. Such is the correct context for praying the rest of the psalm. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Our justification by God is no contrivance, no legal fiction. It truly renders us holy, even glorious, in his sight. Quote, whom he justified, these he also glorified. Romans 8.30. Thus, the psalm speaks of the justified as, quote, blessed, godly, righteous, and upright in heart. This forgiveness of God has ongoing implications for how we are to live. Right, so here's the sermon from yesterday. Inasmuch as we have been bought, by, or bought at a price, 1 Corinthians 6.20, we may no longer live as though we belonged to ourselves. Do you not know that you are not your own? 1 Corinthians 6.19 He died for all. And those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. 2 Corinthians 5:15. Those who are justified in Christ will live quite differently, for Christ is our Lord and teacher as well as our savior. Quote, God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4:7. Thus the psalm continues. Quote, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go; I will guide you with my eye. How we walk in Christ is of critical importance. We are not to take This responsibility lightly, says the psalm. Be not like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding and must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Above all, the forgiveness that God grants us for Christ's sake is the source of our ongoing confidence. For this same God will never abandon us. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 Our psalm thus speaks of the constant refuge we have in this God of mercy, no matter the trials that face us. Quote, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place, you shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. This psalm is likewise a call to gladness. Joy is not just an option for the Christian, it is an imperative. As well as the gift of God, joy is a sentiment that the believer is commanded to engage. From the bleakness of his prison cell, Paul sent forth this order, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I I will say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. Thus our psalm, a canticle celebrating the divine forgiveness of our sins, closes on the theme of godly exaltation. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. All right, so hopefully that helps you throughout the week as you think of this as a psalm uh, of being justified freely by grace in Christ, and then of course that, um, as you heard yesterday, gives you eyes of faith that sees the world differently um, and also then uh, lives differently as the meditation said. Good. All right, our psalm for the week, excuse me, our verse for the week is another psalm. This is Psalm 90 verses 1 through 2. So uh, work on trying to commit this to memory throughout the week. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90, verse 1 through 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Psalm ninety verses one through two. Of course you, you'll be able to see why that's our memory verse, uh, this confession of who God is, because we're going to begin with the commandments for our catechism this week. Uh, commandments one and two. So what is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Second second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. All right. Uh, Before we go into the reading screen, those of you in the chat, thanks for checking in. Uh, Those watching live, we've got uh, Michael, Karen, uh, there's Mom, Don and Karen, and Gus and Eileen, Vicki, Chris, Jolene. Hey, good to have you as well. It's the day off, so you can join us here at 9. Uh, the comment: a command for joy. All right. So think of yesterday's epistle reading. Why would God give a command for something that's a gift? Joy is a gift, right? It's a it's a fruit of faith. Even it's worked by the Holy Spirit, according to Paul. Why give the command? Because of sin. Because of trespasses. Right. Uh, this is like the case with the Lord's prayer. You heard Luther say that in the Large Catechism when we went over it last week. We have both the command to pray, but we also have the promise. Right. The command um, directs us to the promise. The law was our tutor until Christ came. For example, Galatians again. All right. So uh, we'll see this with with the commandments. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God, because God's name has it has a good use. Right. There's a time to call upon His name to use it properly in every trouble with pray prayer praise and, and giving thanks. Right. So the command is given because of sin, but the command directs us towards the promise, which is the good news. Right. The command does not give the promise, but it but it points us to the need for the promise. So rather than misuse the name, then the Christian is um, free to use the name, of course, uh, for its intended use. Same thing with other gods, right? There is no other gods. All right, as I said, uh, when we began, we're gonna hear a couple of readings on labor, on work, and then I'm gonna share a meditation, uh, or a lecture, actually, a section of a lecture, um, on the topic of Labor Day from uh, the founder of of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, C.F.W. Walther. All right, so first, Ephesians chapter 6. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as man pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. All right? So this is slave and master language, which makes us uncomfortable. Um, but as, uh, as Bob Dylan sang, the poet, right, Everybody's got to serve somebody. Be it heaven or hell, you're going to serve somebody. right? Um, and of course, be it the Lord is what he was directing us towards. That was part of his like little gospel trio of albums, I think, in the early 80s. Uh, so, serve Christ, right? And how do we serve Christ? By by loving our neighbor, right? And then love for neighbor is here, actually doing what is required of you as, as a slave um, and also as a master, you know, and, and this is being applied here, well, it's applied in the Catechism to refer to um, not indentured servitude, well, maybe to that, um, not to chattel slavery, but rather to the relationship of contract, right? When you have uh, been indebted uh, to an employer um, via a contract, right? And you've, you're obligated to perform work in exchange for some good, right? Is to, is to fulfill that as if the um, owner, operator, employer is actually Jesus. <laughs> this is hard to do. It's hard to see your employer as Jesus, but there we are. Um, it's, it may be easier for me. <laughs> as a pastor, and maybe as a Christian teacher you might also, or a musician, you might uh, have that same kind of impression. But um, if you're working in so-called secular vocations, it can be a lot harder um, to see. All right. And then, uh, reading from Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now, may the Lord direct your hearts into love into the love of God, and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, that if if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother okay and so we do have uh we might call a theology of work here being revealed or exposed by paul and uh, one of the things that uh, bothers i think some christians but uh, maybe not you is that paul both sees himself and he also instructs those who come after him um, to see themselves as examples for the flock so the pastor serves as an example so, for example, a pastor who does not pray for his congregation, um, well, it's, it wouldn't be expected then the congregation would pray for one another, right? But the pastor who prays for the congregation, you can actually, um, you know, you can see that then when he says for you to pray for one another, um, of course it comes willingly because the pastor has demonstrated this. The pastor can't talk about the um, um, this may be a more controversial example, but about the roles of male and, and female, men and women, husband and wife. Um, unless he himself models that in his own home. He can't talk about the gift of children and then refuse to have children, all right? to receive those as gift from the Lord. All right? So uh, that's, again, controversial. I think what Paul's talking about here, though, of course, is the way that the pastor is instructed to work hard. And he instructs his own to do that um, day and night. Um, sometimes, uh, because of the cultural uh, approach to work that we've established, uh, it's somewhat difficult for me, you know, because I do uh, often have uh, evening meetings. I have to meet with, other, meet with people in the evening. I have to meet when they can, when they get off work. Um, sometimes that interrupts family. And sometimes, you know, it can be a 60 or 70 hour work week, depending on what kind of things are happening, say if there's a funeral or something like that. All right. And so it, it's easy for the pastor to kind of work begrudgingly, only out of necessity and not for the joy that, of, the, of what's set before him. Um, I, I approach, I approach that um, not in terms of the cultures, culture's approach to work. So the idea that we work a forty-hour week, five days a week, and then get two days off—I um, think that's uh, it's an orderly way to go about things, but it's not the it's not what it's not the kind of employment that the pastor has been called to, in particular. Just use myself as an example, right? So my job is to be uh, willing in season and out, ready with God's word. Um, to meet people where they are and when they are right to pray daily for example Um, i don't really get a weekend i don't really get days off and so i take flex time as you might call it if you want to adopt a secular term Um, so i work when i have work and and when my family needs me i take care of my family Um, if i have other opportunities or um, things that i can do uh, to support my family and there's not work set before me here then i can do that right um, it's always a balancing act. It's never easy, and it does end up being work night and day, but our day and night. so it goes. All right. And the point is is to to serve the Lord and do the word that's work that's been set before you according to the Lord and whatever that is required um, to not, to not do it begrudgingly, but to do it freely. And Paul is also instructing the church there in Thessalonica um, to set apart those who are busybodies who are just doing busy labor and not actually doing the work that uh, would provide for them and their families, or in the case of pastors, not doing the work that's set before them to preach the gospel in season and out, to administer the Lord's gifts to all those who request it, etc. So um, because that uh, freeloading, of course, is is also an abuse of the gift. And there's probably more that could be said about the nature of work there, but uh, we'll leave it at that. And as I promised you, I thought uh, we ought to have a reflection on the holiday of Labor Day. Um, it's not a holy day in the church. I'm sorry. Um, although I suppose we're not supposed to meet because it's a federal holiday. Let's see. It was a uh, just reading from the Book of Knowledge, Wikipedia here. Also a CIA operation now. It's been fully co-opted by the intelligence community for propaganda. But regardless, I think they probably have this part right, Labor Day. Celebrated on the first Monday in September to honor and recognize the American labor movement and the works and contribution of laborers to the development and achievements of the United States, late 19th century. So I think um, Oregon was the first state to uh, organize an official public holiday in 1887. By the time it became an official federal holiday in 1894, 30 states in the U.S. officially celebrated Labor Day. All right. Um, And this, of course, comes out of the trade union and labor movements. This was before. Um, both country and states had labor laws. Of course, now we have uh, extensive labor laws, which then begs the question, why would we need labor unions? They end up, um, at least from my own experience, uh, both in my family and myself, um, they tend to be more, well, mafia style um, terrorist organizations against employers, unfortunately, and against, and, and even work far afield of what, what they've been called to do. But um, before there were such labor laws, then... Uh, these sorts of, this day would be recognized. Of course, it's in contrast to May Day, which is May 1st. All right. Um, so you notice that it's officially celebrated towards the end of the 19th century. Um, already earlier in the 19th century, there was conversation about um, labor and trade unions, and specifically um, the Christians' involvement in them. I've had this conversation with many uh, a layperson in the congregations I've served, whether they could in a good in good conscience serve um, in trade unions all right and uh, it's actually kind of a similar conversation to uh, whether you can serve in a lodge but that's another story all right so what I'm going to share with you and I'll, I'll give you the link if you want to follow along or read it later it's quite a long set of four lectures from um, Carl Ferdinand Wilhelm Volther um, doctor of Divinity who was the first um, president of the Missouri Senate, also um, president of the seminary in St. Louis, he was asked to give these lectures to the uh, first German Evangelical Lutheran congregation of uh, in St. Louis, and did so. And it's here; it was published in 1947 and in reprint under the heading "Communism and Socialism," um, but it really has to do with quite a bit more than that. And so, translated from the German and published in 1879 by Concordia Publishing House. Um, Actually, I don't know what year the lectures were given, but I know when it was published. Okay, so I'm just going to read from the beginning here after his prayer. As is known to the congregation, the occasion of this meeting is twofold. First is the appearance of a daily paper here in St. Louis, which would pretend to be the organ of the laborers, in consequence of which many particular younger members of our congregation have also made it their paper. The second occasion is the formation of the so-called labor unions, which are to represent the interests of the laborers over against the employers. If that paper were in reality the organ of laborers, which would represent the interests of the laboring class in a legitimate manner, who could find fault? If any laborer would select it as his paper and would even prefer it above other secular papers. And if labor unions were no more than were the fraternities, guilds, tradesmen unions, and clubs of Germany, who could make it a matter of conscience to join one of them? Does not even the Apostle Paul expressly declare that if Christians would no longer unite themselves with the children of the world, no, not even in civil and business affairs, then they would be necessitated to leave the world. But alas, the state of affairs is entirely different here. All right, so Walther's point here is it's not simply a matter of just joining a, a guild or fraternity um, around a specific trade, or, or it's just having a newspaper that reports and happens to be Uh, Try to represent your interests as a laborer more. The state of affairs is entirely different here, he says. The said paper is not, for example, by any means an organ intended for laborers alone, but it has its aim in the propagation of the modern communistic ideas, peaceably if possible or forcibly, and that by fire and sword if necessary. It is also too well known that the labor unions have been conceived and called into existence by the communists and socialists and are intended by them to be nothing else than schools of Communism and Socialism." Again, published in 1879. That no one might think these declarations unfounded, I have secured several copies of the paper, called The Volksstimme de Westens, The Voice of the People of the West, without, however, inquiring which number might give the best idea of its character. I have nevertheless secured copies which show its character plainly, and the paper dated December 24, 1877, there is a continuation of a novel written by the editor of the paper, Dr. A. Otto Volster, in which we read, among other things, the following. It shall be our chief concern to show that man, with its claims on material prosperity, need not be directed to another world, that he can and f- should find such prosperity here on earth, and would, in this connection, call attention to the verses of Highness Winter Mirchen. All right, I won't read the poem. It seems to me that this this is Walther again. It seems to me that this, one single quotation of this character should suffice to cause us to wonder how a Christian who accepts the holy scriptures as God's word, believes in Christ and has the hope of eternal life could support such a paper. Everyone could see that this is an atheistic paper whose editor believes neither in God nor eternal life but ridicules both. Should he even say that he believes in God and also in the future life, it matters not. We look to what he publishes in his paper. He must suffer himself to be judged by that, and his paper takes a position of atheistic communism. All right, uh, He's going to give a lot of examples from the paper. He just keeps reading chunks of various parts of the paper to talk about it. All right, um, But I want to get to where he gets past all the examples. Yeah, and where he talks about the history of labor unions. Here we go. So this is on... Oh, I don't know what page this is. All right, so from the paper, um, there's this declaration... About labor unions this however this is, however, a declaration that the labor unions of our land are in reality only branches of that labor union which has its centre in England. This society was founded in eighteen sixty nine by a Jew named Marx. At which time the directors of the association made the following declarations: quote, "This association declares itself for atheism end quote. that is it declares. There is no God, for an atheist is one who declare, denies the existence of God. Quote, it demands the aboli- ab- abolition of all religion, the substitution of science for faith, human righteousness for the righteousness of God, the abrogation and suppression of marriage. We demand that the people make laws directly for the people, that all laws of inheritance be abolished, and that all real estate become common property. Again, that was the um, society founded by Marx in 1869 in England. Uh, of which the labor union movement was born. And you notice some of the denials of Christian faith that are given explicitly there. Um, the disillusionment of marriage, look around. right? The abolition of real estate tax, look at uh, the proposed, um, inherit, not inheritance tax, what are they calling it? Wealth tax, right? Um, the abolition of real estate, right? So you look at the way that they'll use disaster um, to force people off their land, for example. Uh, Lahaina would be an example of that. Right? substitution of human righteousness for the righteousness of faith, and of course science, um, in opposition to religion, that is to the faith of the scriptures. Uh, you can think COVID for that if you want. Nothing new under the sun. Okay, now here's Walther's assertion to this day, Labor Day. These are the principles on which the International Labor Union is founded. It is called international because the members are to be gathered not only from one nation, but from every nation on earth, or what we call today globalism. I now ask again whether a Christian can connect himself with an association of which he knows that it would carry out the principles just mentioned. It matters not whether the laboring man who enters into association would carry them out or not. He belongs to an association which holds to this purpose. You might think of uh, another organization recently, Black Lives Matter, which was another kind of union. It wasn't a labor union, it was a social union of sorts, um, which also explicitly called for the abolition of family. They later struck that from their website. They didn't want people to catch the explicit Marxism of of the founding and of of their ideology, but there you go. All right. Um, In Paris, it was evident that many indeed had belonged to this association who were merely interested in this society and little thought of being involved in a revolution. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. So, so much to show the character of that paper and of the socialistic labor unions. But the question is of an altogether different character: What shall we say of communism? That is, the system according to which all goods should be equally divided. Or what shall we say of socialism, i.e. the system according to which no person shall own any property, but be united, but by united labor all becomes the property of the society. The former are more radical, the latter less, but as a matter of fact, the most radical are always victorious. This was the case in France. Those who began the agitation had not intended to do what was afterwards done, but those much more radical, then they overpowered them, brought them to the gu- guillotine until finally the most radical became leaders and ruled until God brought it to an end. All right, I have a few points noted down which we will now consider if the congregation will indulge me. This is the question, so here's his thesis of Lecture 1. Why should and can no responsible man, much less a Christian, take part in the efforts of communists and socialists? All right and then he gives an outline of what's going to be the lectures All right, and he does talk about labor again, um, I think, in the end of the first lecture and into the second lecture so um, it has to do with theft, it has to do with um, the sanctity of marriage, so he goes to the commandments four through ten in particular, and also the value of work um, and also the character the human character. He actually begins with human character uh, which uh The problem with communism and socialism is it has the wrong anthropology. You've probably heard me um, talk to you about this before, is that it does not understand man correctly. And because it does not understand man correctly, that is according to God's word and what God has revealed about our human heart, um, then it it cannot accomplish what it aims to do. All right. So here are some things nature and experience reveal that it is, in fact, or that it is a fact that men are not equal. It is a fact that men are naturally selfish. It is a fact that happiness does not consist in external advantages. It is a fact well established by experience that communists have never attained their pro- professed end and only introduced sorrow and suffering. right So men are not equal, equal in gift, right? They don't all have the same gifts or talents. They're not born into the same estate, right That's scripture. Um, also not uh, are all by nature naturally selfish and so will seek their own personal gain over the gain of the whole or the collective. Right? And that happiness does not consist in external advantages. So this is in contrary, a contradiction to Locke, John Locke, um, who uh, Jefferson and others used in the Declaration of Independence to declare that uh, we everyone has the right to life, liberty, um, but the pursuit of happiness the pursuit of property. But um, Locke is wrong on that, according to Walther. That happiness does not consist in external things, property or um, other things. All right. So, um, I put the link there in the comments down below, so you can see that, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, etc. And uh, when I said that uh, I had uh, personal experience, uh, here's my mom chiming in and giving, giving the examples, both the American Library Association and National Education Association. Um, actually, I think it's a little bit easier with both today, because people have seen the kind of, I mean, it's been brought front and center, the kind of abolition of family and even sex. Um, by male-female, that is, by um, the libraries, right? Both um, public school um, libraries, but also just uh, public libraries, especially propagandizing children. So that one's been pretty obvious. The NEA, um, in actually advocating for lockdowns and um, you know all sorts of disadvantages for children, they don't really have children's advantages, children's uh, interests, best interests in mind. The National Education Association largely um, is looking just to get a bigger piece of the pie, and then you have the the um, the leader of the NEA um, going and advocating for war in Ukraine, and even traveling to Ukraine to do so. Uh, I I have no idea how that benefits the NEA. Um, and I would just use another personal example in, in my case. Um, I'm no longer paying dues into the um, into the Chamber of Commerce, not because I want to deny my local community, um, you know, the kind of fraternity we could have. The problem is is that the dues that I pay. They go up to the national organization. The national organization, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, um, both was in part responsible um, for opening the borders um, in the South and um, undermining uh, Americans' ability to work by bringing in cheap, illegal um, labor. So that's one reason. Um, Another reason is because they openly participated in um, corrupting the election processes of 2020. And uh, don't have to go into too many details about that. Um, but working through the uh, U.S. Postal Workers uh, Union, whatever it's called, uh, and the Chamber of Commerce directly was involved in corrupting our election processes. Right? So um, they did not have my interests in mind, and so I no longer support them. Right, Unfortunately, the way that they do that is they dilute um, their efforts by, uh, with that trickle-up economy, right? Where most of the money stays local, supposedly, but the dues really uh, are what funded that kind of, those kind of efforts. So I think um, Walther is right. He saw this more than 150 years ahead of time. The way that trade unions um, are really just, well, initially they seem to have workers' interests in mind, but ultimately their goal was to corrupt society um, with communist and socialistic ideas, which are anti- atheistic and opposed to the revelation of both nature, a marriage, family, um, and even our understanding of work, according to God's word. But you'll have to read Walther for that, and again, the link um, is there in the live chat um, on the social platforms, so you can check that out. Or if you want to search for it, just search for Walther, W-A-L-T-H-E-R, Communism and Socialism. Uh, it'll be a good read for the day and really put some meat on, this, on these days' bones. I understand, maybe take the day off, but uh, uh, you, I don't know if we can rightly celebrate trade unions. All right. Um, Speaking of good work and the work the Lord has set before us, our hymn for this week, and that's a good way for us to start the first week of the school year, is with the Lord begin your task.
1: Night, Jesus will be near you. Save you from the tempter's might. With His presence cheer you. With your Savior at your side, foes need not alarm you. In His promises confide. And no hill can harm you All your trust and hope repose In the mighty Master Who in wisdom truly knows How to stem disaster If your task be thus begun With the Savior's blessing Safely then your course shall run For the promise pressing Good will follow everywhere While you here must wander You at last the joy will share In the mansions yonder Thus, Lord Jesus, every task Be to you commanded. May your will be done, high ask, until life is ended. Jesus, in your name be gone, be the days in heaven. Grant that it may well be done. To your praise for heaven.
0: All right, it's got a great text, doesn't it? But uh I think what really makes that hymn is uh is uh is the tune. <laughs> it's such a such a fun tune. Who did the tune? Uh it doesn't say here. I'm not sure. All right. Let's continue with I don't think we have a commemoration. Let me make sure. Oh no, we do. Moses. Today is the commemoration of Moses. We try to remember um not only saints, but also Um, those of our church body and of, of the Christian church at large, or patriarchs, prophets who don't necessarily have feast days of their own. And today that would be Moses. So we'll do a brief one for you on Moses. Moses was born in Egypt several generations after Joseph brought his father Jacob and his brothers there to escape a famine in the land of Canaan. The descendants of Jacob had been enslaved by the Egyptians and were ordered to kill all their male children. When Moses was born, his mother put him in a basket and set it afloat on the Nile River. He was found in Pharaoh, or by Pharaoh's daughter and raised as her son. At age 40, Moses killed an Egyptian taskmaster and fled to the land of Midian, where he worked as a shepherd for 40 years. And then the Lord called him to return to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, quote, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Exodus 5. Eventually, Pharaoh did give in, and after the Israelites celebrated the first Passover, Moses led them out. At the Red Sea, the Egyptian army was destroyed, and the Israelites passed to safety on dry land. At Mount Sinai, they were given the law and erected the tabernacle, Exodus 19-40. through 40. But, because of disobedience, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses himself was not allowed to enter the promised land, though God allowed him to view it, Deuteronomy 34. In the The New Testament, Moses is referred to as lawgiver and prophet. The first five books of the Bible are attributed to him. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the prophetic Moses, our prophet Moses, you began the prophetic pattern of teaching your people the true faith and demonstrating through your miracles your presence in creation to heal it of its brokenness. Grant that your church may see in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the final end times prophet, whose teaching and miracles continue in your church through the healing medicine of the gospel and the sacraments through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our collect for the week, almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, For the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray with um, Alex, who celebrated his birthday yesterday, Ashley, who celebrates her birthday today. We pray with Roger, who celebrated his baptism yesterday. We pray for all the households of our church, especially this week with Brandon and Valerie, Russ and Amy, Rachel and her family, Garrett and Jenny, Ron and Janet, and Scarlet, Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Dennis, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, and Brad. Pray for Eileen, Ron, Doug, Bev, Donna, Jim, Pat, and Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. Pray for all our homebound, especially Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for our mission of the month, that the Lord give us generous hearts to support their work. That especially this month at the Federwitz Families. Also with um, Stefan and Penny, who are in need of new employment and housing, and for our students and teachers who have returned to class. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our Congregation of Prayer for today, Labor Day, federal holiday, not a holiday of the church. We can rejoice in the labor that the Lord has given us um, both to support and provide for our families, but also um, the labor he's given us within this church and as good citizens. So uh, we can rejoice in that even if we can't really celebrate labor unions, not with a good conscience. And uh, yeah, so it goes. All right, so I hope you have a a blessed day. Enjoy the weather. It's going to be nice and warm uh, while it lasts. And then uh, get back to the daily grind, or the joy of the work the Lord sets before you. Uh, View it the latter way, please. All right, God be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you soon.